What is up, everyone? This is episode four of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. I am Dana. And I am Dalton. And today we are going to be continuing our set review under our greeting process for The Colored of Emerald. And so if you didn't catch our previous episodes, go back and check out episodes two and three where we cover Amber and Amethyst cards. However, for today, we are going to be going over all of the cards under Emerald. And so before we get started, do you want to give them a little quick overcap of our grading process and then maybe some pros and cons of Emerald? Yeah, so let's go over the pros and cons first. So the first highlight of Emerald is that they have a lot of characters that have higher lore counts. They have a lot of two drops with two lore. They have a lot of five drops with two and three lore. And one of the great things about a lot of those characters is that they have some abilities on them that disincentivize your opponents from challenging them, whether it makes them discard card or it banishes whatever creature banishes them it seems like they have a lot of really powerful characters that do that the weaknesses for this color emerald is that they don't have very much card draw they aren't very good at challenging so they don't play very well behind a lot of their creatures have lower power so they and they're more defensive as in you're just trying to get to a high lore count quickly so they're, they're more defensively statted so they can take more damage they just don't dish out a whole lot of damage. So it's hard to hard to play behind when you're in Emerald, but I think it's still gonna be an interesting color to go over. Explaining the grading process real quick, we have five grades. We have S, A, B, C, and D. S are the cards that you're gonna play four of in pretty much every deck of that color. We're talking about cards like Rapunzel and Friends on the Other Side, just the absolute best cards in that color. Then we have A's, uh, so the best cards in that color, high power level played in most decks, maybe like Maximus Palace Horse or Elsa, the big eight mana Elsa. She's really strong, Dr. Facilier, Agent Provocateur, those kinds of cards. And then we also have some A's that are build-arounds where your whole deck is going to be centered around this one card because it's just that powerful by itself. A great example of this is Stitch Rockstar. Next we have Bs. These are cards that are going to be four ofs in a lot of decks primarily because they're cheap and inkable and that makes them really versatile. Something like Stitch New Dog is a really good example of this. Another example of a B is a card that's pretty strong as a hot higher power level but isn't going to thin every archetype and it's not inkable something like Hades King of Olympus. Um, then we have C's. These are cards that will make certain decks just because they're they fit very niche applications like Dinglehopper is a good example or Sebastian Court Composer. And then we have D's, which are the cards that are mostly unplayable. Healing Glow is the best example of this so far. With that being said, Dana, do you want to get right into it? Yeah, let's jump in. <clears throat> All right, so our first Emerald card is Aladdin Prince Ali. He is a inkable two drop, a two two, quests for one, and has ward. Why don't you start us off by saying what you think? So ward is interesting because that makes it so your opponent can't target it with removal spells. They can still challenge it with their characters. But when we get to steel, you're, they're not going to be able to fire the cannons on it or something. I gave this card a B. It doesn't have the best stats, 
but Ward is interesting. Really, I feel like what this card is here to do is just be the best thing you can shift Aladdin Heroic Outlaw onto, just because it's not going to be easy to interact with in the first couple turns as long as you don't quest with it. Right, right. I'm in agreement <clears throat> with you on that. I gave this card also a B. I just felt like it was just a solid two drop that kind of could hold its place until you have other more powerful cards on the board that you can start doing some stuff with. All right, so the next one would be Beast Wolf's Bane. This is a uninkable five, a four, four that quests for two. It does have rush, so you can challenge with it the turn that you introduce it to the board. And it has the ability of roar. So when you play this character, you exert all opposing damage characters. I have this as like a CB range. I think because it's expensive and uninkable, it kind of doesn't have that going for it. It makes me lean more towards C, but it quests for two, which isn't bad. And it does have rush. And the only thing that still makes me hesitant upon it, making it a solid B would be its ability because I don't think that would rarely trigger anyway. So kind of looking at it overall, I am on the fence between a B and a C. Yeah, I put it initially, I wanted it as a C, but I think I'm up on it a little bit more. I think its roar ability is pretty powerful. You can imagine scenarios where your opponent has, I don't know, like a Stitch Rockstar that challenged something earlier in the game, and then it's just been kind of sitting there for the next turn or two, not challenging or questing because it has a chance of getting banished. And then you just drop this down and it instantly finishes off Stitch. So there are some applications there I think that are interesting and it at least can challenge the turn it comes into play and it's big enough that most things that cost four or less are probably going to get banished by it and it'll survive. But it's not inkable. It does cost a decent amount of mana and it's, yeah, it just, I don't know how often that ability is going to trigger. All right, next we have the Cheshire Cat, Not All There. So this is a three drop inkable. It's a zero strength, three willpower, quests for two, but it does have the ability lost something. And that is when this character is challenged and banished, it banishes the challenging character as well. I personally have this as an A. I think although it might not be big, it is cheap and quests <clears throat> for two, and it has that ability that you somewhat alluded to in the overall mechanics of this color in that it de-incentivizes your opponent from wanting to challenge it because no matter how big their character is, even if it were to have normally survived, it gets banished anyway. So I think it makes your opponent stop and think twice about whether they really want to lose the character they're about to use against you to get this off the board. So, and the fact that it quests for two as well, I think it can be pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I have it as a B. I think there are going to be times in which your opponent has a character that you really need to challenge to get off the board and this just doesn't interact with those characters at all so that makes it probably not a card I'll put in every deck but I do think it definitely deserves a spot in some decks just questing for two and when you're ahead 
it does trade for whichever creature your opponent banishes it with. So that is the upside of it. The next card we have is Corella Deville, Miserable as Usual. It is a two-drop inkable character. It has one three as its stats, quests for one, and when this character is challenged and banished, you may return chosen character to that player's hand. Dana, what do you think of Corella? All right, so <clears throat> I could see her being between like an A and a B. I think... Her ability could be really useful either targeting your own characters or targeting your opponents. And so targeting your opponents, you basically make them put it back into their hand that kind of disrupts their tempo. Whereas for you, if you have certain characters where they have an ability that gets triggered when they get put into play, you can basically keep looping that. So if you have a steel deck with Emerald, you have Tinkerbell Giant Fairy. Every time she comes into play, she deals damage to the other characters or Aladdin Street Rat is in Ruby. Every time he comes into play, he takes away a lore from your opponent. So you could basically just keep cycling your characters as well as maybe disrupting theirs. Yeah, it's really strong with your own enter the playabilities. It could be used with like the three cost Maleficent to draw an extra card. That's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. But what it's probably best at is just slowing your opponent's uh, more aggressive draws down, right? They maybe they have a three drop in a two drop they challenge this with their two drop maybe it gets banished and then you can just return the three drop they have to their hand then they have to replay that just puts them back on mana so I gave it a B. I am not totally sure how strong it is. I think there are a lot of applications for it, but I just need to play with it more. The next card I have is a typical B. It is the Duke of Weaselton. It is a one cost thinkable 2-2 that quests for one. Just straight up B. Very simple card to grade. You agree? Yeah, I feel like there's not really that much more to say about it. I just, I have it as a B as well. I think it's just a nice little one drop. So it doesn't surprise me we're pretty aligned on that one. Okay, so next one is Flynn Rider, Charming Rogue. This is a inkable two drop. It's a one two, quests for two, and has the ability, here comes the smolder. When this character is challenged, the challenging player chooses and discards a card. What you got for that one? I have this one as an A. I think this card's really strong because it's a two drop that quests for two, and while it doesn't have good stats, it's only a one two, it is, as long as you're questing for it and you're opponent presumably has to challenge it to banish it you're always going to trade it for a card because they have to discard a card so even though it might not affect the board a whole lot they're always going to trade a card for it which i think is really important for a character that quests for two with this low stats i gave it an a i think it's a pretty good card yeah i was between an a and a b on it b probably because the stats weren't that great but a just the fact that he quests for two and then has that ability that discourages your opponent from challenging you. So definitely right kind of there in the middle for me. Yeah, the next one we have is Genie on the Job. It is a six cost, uninkable. It's a three, four, it quests for two as evasive and it has disappeared. So when you play this character, you may return chosen character to their player's hand. I gave this one an A, even though it's kind of expensive and not inkable. This is probably one of the best cards that plays really well from ahead, and it plays really well from behind. Setting your opponent back the tempo and giving you an evasive quester is really strong, and if you're already ahead on board, you can set your opponents back, and then it's just 
really hard for them to catch up. What do you think, Dana? Um, I have it as a B. I think the fact that it's expensive and uninkable made me put it a grade down from you. But I think that evasive ability is something that will be really annoying for your opponents to deal with unless they have answers to it. And the other ability disrupts your opponent's tempo as well and just kind of can get pretty annoying. So yeah, that's why I gave it a B. The next genie that we have is Genie Powers Unleashed. This is a eight drop. It is not inkable. It's a three five. It quests for three, so pretty big there. And you can shift it for six. It also has evasive and it has phenomenal cosmic power as an ability. So whenever this character quests, you may play an action with a cost of five or less for free. I personally have this as an A. I think it has a lot of things going for it. And yes, it might be an uninkable eight, but technically it's a six if you shift it. And I think that the other genies are pretty decent enough to shift on it. And I think it could be really good. Yeah, so I was on the fence between a B and a C for this one. Okay. So one of the genies that you're going to play also costs six and it doesn't have the need the shift ability to come play on turn six. And I think that one, you know, the gene that we just talked about on the job has potentially a better enters the playability. The turn it comes into play, it's going to provide more tempo and you're never going to shift this genie onto genie on the job. So you're really relying on having the two cost genie that we're going to talk about next in play. And I'm really not sure how impactful that ability is. The phenomenal cosmic power playing an action for five i don't think green has a lot of good five cost actions that make that relevant so you'd have to pair it up with probably steel because they have grab your sword or a whole new world that could make this interesting but just in its color i'm a little bit lower on it i'm not sure if you can really play this and genie on the job in the same deck and i'd probably rather just have genie on the job but i get the upside with this card it, it could be really strong but I'm just not there yet for it yeah and maybe in future sets too it will come out with actions of this color or just other ones that we would really want to pair it with that would make it better but I I, I guess I see what you're saying there for sure um, which leads us to our third genie genie the ever impressive it is a inkable two drop it's a two three it quests for one no special abilities what you got yeah it's just a solid B it can go in any green deck emerald deck it uh has fine stats, quests for one, and it's inkable two drop. Not a whole lot more you can ask for from your two drop. Yeah, I agree with you right there. Not really much else to note on it. I do have it as a B as well. Just overall solid. Mm -hmm. All right, so next we got Hans, the Scheming Prince. It is a inkable four drop. It has three three stats, and this one quests for three, which for four mana is quite a lot for yeah. the four low cost of ink. Yeah, I, I put it as a a B. I, I probably could have put it as an A, I think, just for the simple fact that you're getting three lore from such a smaller character. But I think its stats for being a four drop made me kind of question it. But I guess I you have to just kind of outweigh, do you want better stats or more lore questing? Because they're probably not going to give you both four four drops. So it's kind of how you see it. Yeah, I also gave it a B. I think there are some decks where it probably could be pretty good in. You just can't put in every deck because not every deck just wants a 
3-3 that quests for a bunch for four because that might not be the deck strategy. I think it could be good in the heavy quest emerald decks, but when you have these higher quest characters, you really want your opponent to not interact with them for a turn or not just be able to banish them the turn after you quest. And this is only a 3-3. It seems pretty easy for your opponent to, to banish it the turn after you quest with it, in my opinion. So yeah, I just have it as a B. It's a solid card, but nothing to, nothing super special. Yeah. So how about let's go to Horus. No good scoundrel. It is a three cost four three that quests for one. And that's it. What do you got for it, Dana? I made it a B. I just feel like there's nothing there that super impresses me, but its stats are pretty good for a three drop. And so I gave it a B. Yeah. <laughs> this one, this is a card that I just don't like. I gave it a D. It probably should be a B, I'll be honest, just because a lot of the cards in this kind of range are a B, but I gave it a D because I don't know if you're ever going to put it into your deck over the Mickey Mouse, which is a 3-4 that quests for one in this color, or if you're going to play it over Jasper, which we'll talk about in a few seconds. It just doesn't do enough. I think it's just worse than all the other options. Maybe it's still a B though. I just don't like it very much. All right, next we have Iago, Loudmouth Parrot. It is an inkable three cost. It has one four as its stats. It quests for one, and it has the ability, you got a problem, where you can exert it. Chosen character gains reckless during their next turn, which means that character can't quest and unless challenge a fable. Dana, talk to me about Iago. I'm not gonna lie. I made him a C because I just am not really in love with his stats. I don't really see myself wanting to put this in my deck. I think it could have applications in certain decks, but you might not want to have all four of him. I don't really like him. I don't like him either. Maybe I'm missing something, but giving a character reckless, there are obviously some characters that might be really good to, to do that with, but when you're comparing it to other three cost cards, we can compare it to Horus, which is the one we talked about right before this. Horus would straight up eat this thing alive. So, and I don't even like Horus that much. So, <laughs> it's it's not a card that I'm very high on. I could be proven wrong. Maybe it has a good utility, but its stats just aren't there for me. It doesn't really quest for enough. I just don't know if it's this deck's game plan. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the next one is Jasper Common Crook. Three drop inkable, two four, quests for one, but I feel like his main enticement is his ability. So it's puppy napping. Whenever this character quests, chosen opposing character can't quest during their next turn. I gave it a B. I think it's a really nice solid three drop and it can throw off your opponents, especially in cases which they might be gaining their lore a little quicker than you and you want to slow them down and put them into a position where they either do nothing or they have to challenge because they can't quest. So I think that's why I really like this character. I really like this character and there's some applications I hadn't really thought of until just now actually. And this stops maybe some bodyguard characters on your opponent's side because they can't quest, they can't turn on their bodyguard ability and then they can't protect maybe a character that they're wanting to protect, right? And it also can stop your opponents from questing and using their support ability. So now your opponent's smaller creatures can't trade up for your maybe hopefully bigger creatures. So this has a lot of utility. I wish it 
stats were a little bit better, but I think this has a lot of pretty good uses. I also gave it a B. Next, we have John Silver, Alien Pirate. It is an inkable six drop. It, it has five, five for its stats. It quests for two, and it has the ability to pick your fights when you play this character, and whenever he quests, chosen opposing character gains reckless during their next turn, so it kind of has Iago's tap ability. But this one happens every time he quests. Dana, what do you think of him? I gave him an A. I think he has a nice stat size, the fact he can quest for two, and his ability, like you said, gets triggered both his first turn coming into play, plus all of the other ones that he quests with, which most of the time when you see characters that have an ability, it's either one or the other. They come into play or when they tap or quest. But the fact that it does it both times, I think makes him pretty strong. What do you got? Yeah, that, I gave him a B. I think he could be an A for sure. I just haven't played with him enough, so I kind of hedged my bets a little bit. But that ability seems really strong to me. Just being able to make some of your opponent's key characters challenge instead of quest, or it just might throw off their whole game plan. And that's something that really intrigues me. So the next character we have is Jumba Jukiba, Renegade Scientist. Dana, tell me about him. Yeah, so he is a inkable five drop a four or five quests for two doesn't have any abilities but I gave him a B just because I think he has pretty solid stats he with being a four or five you're basically causing your opponent to either use like a removal action on him or they have to choose whether they want to use one of their bigger characters to challenge or possibly trade two of their smaller guys to get rid of them and he quests for two so I just feel like he's just a nice solid B yeah I gave him a B too he suffers from again the Maui problem that we're going to talk about when we get to Ruby, but he has decent stats. He quests for two and he's inkable. It's kind of hard to go go wrong with him there. All right, the next one we have is a real good one. Dana, talk to me about Cusco. So Cusco, Temperamental Emperor. He is a uninkable five, a two, four, quests for three. He has ward, which means opponents can't choose this character except to challenge. So if they have a removal action like dragon fire, they can't use that on him. And then he also has an ability called no touchy. So when this character is challenged and banished, you may banish the challenging character. So I gave him an S. I think he's extremely strong. I would want to have all four of him in my deck. And in fact, I currently do in the one that I play with. And I think that he is strong in that he quests for three, but he also really discourages your opponents from doing anything about him. So they can't use dragon fire or another type of removal. And they really have to ask themselves whether they want to challenge him with a character that they're going to lose, even if it is big enough to survive otherwise. Yeah, I gave him an A. I think that they're a lot of the cards in this emerald color, they deal with items and returning items. So if you have a heavy item focus deck, you might not want Kuzco. So he might not go into every single deck. That's why I put him as an A. But besides that, he is incredibly strong. And I do believe in most mid-range decks, he is going to be a four of because he is hard to interact with, he quests for a lot, and you just can't go wrong with him. He's he's really good. Yeah, 
Definitely. Later. All right, next we have Lady Tremaine. Do you want to tell them about that one? Yeah, Lady Tremaine, Wicked Stepmother. All right, this is a six cost uninkable. It is a one five, so not very good stats for a six cost. And it only quests for one. It does have the ability to do it again, which is when you play this character, you may return an action card from your discard to your hand. I gave this one a C. I don't think it's very good. It... <laughs> Honestly, I, I could have even gave it a D. I know some people are going to yell at me because this could be played in like the whole new world, mill your opponent's out deck. But besides that, this card just does not hit the mark for me in basically any metric. Dana, what do you think? Yeah, I was CD range for sure. I, so I'm in agreement with you. <clears throat> I just think the fact that it's expensive uninkable and it doesn't even quest for more than one where most characters at this cost would either quest for more or have better stats but she has neither mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah i just I, I don't really see her ability to be all the time. It's definitely circumstantial, so it makes her pretty niche. And that's why I just feel like I wouldn't really want to play her currently. No, I just... The stats aren't there. The quest value isn't there. It's so slow. It She just does not get the job done for me in basically any metric. Um, but the next card... Next card does a little bit. Mad Hatter, Gracious Host. Dana, what do you like about Mad Hatter? Mad Hatter, I also have in the deck I currently play with so I, I like him a lot he is a five drop inkable two four quests for three and has the ability of tea party so whenever this character is challenged you may draw a card so again going back to the whole essence of this color you're questing for a lot and you're also de-incentivizing others to challenge you so that's why i would put him at an a range to be honest just because, yeah, you you have that de-incentivization um, of, of him, and then you get to also benefit and draw a card. Yeah, so I have this one as a B, just, I think it's, even though it's inkable, I think it's just a lot worse than Kuzco, which is a very similar card to it. But the really great thing about this one is that you're always going to get your card back whenever they try to challenge it. And it, even if they just drag and fire it, you're still trading one for one, so you're even on cards the one thing that this is really good against is the smaller character decks where they just have a bunch of two twos and then you play this thing down they have to challenge it with two or three characters and you get a bunch of cards so i like this one a lot maybe not a fit for every deck but i have it at least a b maybe it's maybe it could be an a too yeah all right, so next we have Megara pulling the strings. She is a inkable two drop, a two one. I love the art on this card, by the way. It is just really sweet to me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And she has the ability of Wonder Boy. When you play this character, chosen character gets plus two this turn. So essentially similar to like the support ability. I have her as a B. I think she's a fine two drop. Not really much to say about her. I could see her ability being useful. However, I don't really think she would be like an A tier just because since she is a two drop, this might be something that 
is what you draw early in the game and you play early and so when you play her she might not even be able to trigger her ability so I, but i think she's still just a fine b yeah i have her as c uh, there are definitely situations in which she is good but she is not very good on turn two because the ability that she has isn't going to matter and then later in the game she's also just a 2-1 character that quests for one so She's not even great late game, although she can help one of your characters trade up. I'm just not super high on her. I have Reza C. Yeah. Okay. So going after that is Mickey Mouse Artful Rogue. This is an uninkable seven, a six, five, quests for two. However, he can shift for five if you have another Mickey Mouse and has the ability misdirection. Whenever you play an action, chosen opposing character can't quest during their next turn. What you got for this one? All right. So... I have this one as a B. It's expensive, uninkable. You probably can't play very many of these. It does have shift five, which makes it a little more palatable and it has good stats. As far as when you play an action, it's not. It's gonna be really hard to play Mickey Mouse on the same turn and then play another action to go along with it to make its ability useful that same turn. So I'm not, I'm just not totally sold on it. I could see it being really good if again green gets more songs that they can play that are really good because you could shift and then sing a song with it mm-hmm. and then your opponent you know, can't quest with a chosen character so if if there's good opportunities like that in the future it could be good but i just don't know if it has the the chops get done now and you definitely can't play too many of them. yeah i have him as a b i think yeah his downside is that he's more expensive and uninkable but you could still shift him for five and he is going to be a little annoying to deal with with his stats and quest count but I know you mentioned you wouldn't be able to play an action that same turn and so that kind of turned you off a little bit to him but I still think he's pretty solid just because I mean if you can't do that the same turn he's entered that's okay it's not the end of the world I feel like it's okay if you have to wait until that next turn yeah and one thing is that if you play more than one action in a turn, then you can stop multiple characters from questing too. So there's also uh, some upside that I didn't even talk about. So maybe he, maybe he's a little better than I thought as well. Uh, the next card is Mickey Mouse Steamboat Pilot. It is an inkable three cost, three four that quests for one. I have this one down as a B, pretty straightforward. Yep, I got a B too. Nothing much to say about that. So. <laughs> feel like we could just move on. I agree. Easy peasy. All right. So next, Mother Gothel, Selfish Manipulator, uh, Inkable Six Drop, a 3-6, quests for two, and then has the ability Skip the Drama, Stay with Mama. While this character is exerted, opposing characters can't quest. I have her as a BC range. I think she's expensive even though she quests for two. She would be pretty annoying to slow down your opponent in the late game if they are close to winning. So that's why I think she might gravitate more towards a B, but yeah, I guess I'm just not super in love with her. Yeah, I am honestly not sure how I feel about Mother Gothel. It's it's tough because she does have six willpower, so she can survive a lot of things, and she does quest for a decent amount. So you just quest for her one turn, and then your opponent probably has to spend two characters exerting themselves to challenge it, which could definitely buy you a lot of time. And I think time is all you really want when you have like these five-drop characters like Kuz 
musical and Mad Hatter that quest for three each time. So I could see her being really good. I compare her to John Silver. I'm not really sure which one is better because they both kind of do the same thing and fill the same role, uh, making your, your opponent's characters not being able to, to quest. So I don't know. I think she's probably pretty good. I'm just having a trouble diagnosing whether she's better than John Silver or not. And if she's better than John Silver, I think she'll probably be an A. If she's worse, then she'll probably be unplayable because you have a similar card at that cost. So same thing with John Silver, actually. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, I, I do think she's a decent card in a vacuum, probably a B. Cool. All right, so next, Peter Pan Never Landing, a inkable three drop, a three two, quests for one, and has evasive. What do you have him as? I think he's a solid B. He's a cheap evasive character, but there's not a whole lot of real upside to him. He only quests for one, so he's kind of slow. So I'm not super high on him, but he can definitely go in some decks and be a good role player. Dana, what do you have for Peter Pan Neverlanding? I also have him as a B. I think he's not bad. I don't really have any good things to say or bad things to say. I think having evasive helps me kind of keep him at that B level. And it's, I, I know when creating an evasive deck, you kind of want to have characters at all different drop types that have evasive. So as far as him being a three, I mean, I would have him, but there are probably other characters that I might choose over him that are around that level. Yeah, the thing is there just aren't a lot of, or I don't know if there's another one that's a three cost evasive creature. So he kind of fills a specific role. Yeah. Right. Okay, so moving on we have Tamatoa drab little crab he is a two drop inkable a one four quests for one that's it no other abilities nothing like that this card is a d in my book i am never going to put this in my deck over genie or the two cost aladdin or basically anything probably what do you think i was a little bit more generous i had him as a c i think that there are other cards around that cost that might be like a 1-3 or a 2-2 two, two, something like that but I, I don't know 1-4 I don't really love his stats but I don't think they're super bad so I was a little generous and gave him a C. Yeah a lot of the most common two cost characters are two threes and this does not trade favorably into those so I'm just I'm just off of it. Okay for sure. Okay so moving on to another evasive character we have Tinkerbell most helpful. She is a four drop inkable two three quests for two like i said she does have evasive but then she also has the ability of pixie dust so when you play her you get another character you get to choose to gain evasive that turn as well what do you have her as i gave her as a b she has decent stats for four cost evasive character she quests for two so that kind of does actually put a little bit of a clock on your opponent they have to deal with it in a reasonable amount of time and she also while being offensive having a decent quest number she has a defensive ability in pixie dust which can give one of your other characters evasive and then trade for maybe an evasive character that they have in play yeah so she can play both roles pretty well offensive and defensive she's just not going to be exceptional at either one right right i have her as a b as well i think she's 
fine for being a 2-3 with evasive just because she also quests for 2. So she makes up for kind of a little bit of weaker stats at her drop level by questing for 2. But I feel like I would have loved to see her, and I know that they can't make cards too good. I would have loved to see her maybe like when she quests that she can give a chosen character evasive that turn because I think that would put her as at an A. But I think for now, just as it is, I would just keep her at a B. Yeah, she's a, she's a solid card, but you know, let's get into Do It Again. So Do It Again is a three cost uninkable action. We're into the actions now. Return an action card from your discard to your hand. I, I have this one as a D. I'm sure some people are gonna tell me that along with the whole new world and all the action stuff that you can do in these colors that this might deserve higher praise, but this one is really slow. It doesn't have a lot of utility and you can't even ink it, so I don't have a high rate on this card. Yeah, I have it as a D as well. I feel like I can only see using this in really niche situations, and it's not even something you would might be able to use every turn it hits your hand because since it's not inkable, you might not even have an action card in your discard pile at that point. And so I just don't see needing to use her as often as I would want. Yeah, it doesn't really strike a chord with me. The other card I think, or the next one I think is pretty good. We have Mother Knows Best. It is a three cost song that's uninkable. Return chosen character to their player's hand. Dana, Tell me about Mother Knows Best. Um, not gonna lie, when I first looked at this card, I feel like I wanted to give it a C, but, cause I feel like there are other cards that do that same action, but also might just be a character. I, I do see how it could probably be better. I probably should have given it a B, just because it can, throw off the tempo of your opponent by returning it to their hand. Or like we talked about earlier with Cruella or Genie, you can use it to target your own character that would trigger an ability every time they come into play like the Big Tink. So I feel like it could deserve a better grade than what I initially gave it. I'll probably put it up at a B. What do you got? I gave it an A. It is to me one of Emerald's really only spell-based abilities or action-based abilities that let you interact with your opponent's characters and the ability to sing it for three with a card like Cheshire Cat is really good because a lot of the characters like Cheshire Cat, even though it doesn't have any attack, if you challenge it and banish it, then it banishes the opposing character as well. So you're able to get a lot of tempo out of it by returning a creature they control to their hand and then being able to cast another creature the same turn. It does matter that it's not inkable because that caps its upside a little bit and caps its floor. But overall, I think it's a pretty solid role player. It's possible that you don't want four of it in every single green deck though. So I could see maybe going down to a B at some point. Yeah. And luckily with it being a song too, I mean, if you don't want to waste your ink on it, you, you could very well just choose a character to sing it instead. So there's that upside to it as well. Yeah. Okay, so next one is the Action Stampede. It is a uninkable one drop and it deals two damage to chosen damaged character. Do you want to start us off here? 
Yeah, I gave this one a D. I think this card is very bad. It is situational because you can't ink it. It is also situational because it has to target a damaged character. So it's even when you have it in your hand, they might not have a damaged character in play. And if that's the case, well, you can't even just put it in your ink well. It's just too situational for me. It isn't powerful enough to get a high grade. Maybe if it did like three or four damage, it would be really good, but two damage just isn't enough for me. Yeah, I also gave it a D. I just felt the same as you. I couldn't really picture myself using this a lot, especially because most people, like when you're talking about the curve of your, your character drops, they're going to have characters that probably will just trade anyway. So they're not gonna really have a lot of characters all the time that are lingering on their board with damage counters on them. So I feel like I couldn't really see myself wanting to use this a lot anyway. Yeah, there's a card in Steel called Fire Your Cannons that just deals two damage to a character. It doesn't have to be a damaged character at all. And it costs the same amount of mana. So it's just so much better. This just falls so short. Yeah. Okay, so the next action is Steal from the Rich. It is a five uninkable. And whenever one of your characters quests this turn, each opponent loses one lore. I gave this one like a, a B range. I think it would be really good in multiplayer games for the simple reason that it says each opponent. So it definitely can help slow down everybody that you're playing against. But, uh, and especially because Emerald is the type of deck where a lot of your characters are going to be high questing. So I don't know, I feel like it could be a B, but I think it's also kind of expensive and uninkable, so I could see it being a little bit lower, but I think it, it depends on whether you're in a multiplayer or a single player. Yeah, like I said, I'm grading most of these from a single player or 1v1 perspective. I gave this card a D. I think it's just so bad. There are gonna be times where it's just sitting in your hand and you have one or two characters on the board and paying five mana to make your opponent lose two lore just doesn't do it for me. I think in order for this card to be worth it, you would have to be playing multiplayer and probably have four creatures on the board still. So it just seems very narrow. I don't see myself ever playing it. If it was inkable, it would be a decent card, I think. But it's just too, too narrow in my opinion. All right, so the next card we have is Sudden Chill. It is a song, two cost, inkable. Each opponent chooses and discards a card. Dana, what do you think about Sudden Chill? So I gave this a C. I think it is going to be really good in multiplayer games, but otherwise I think that it could be only really beneficial in certain situations. So that's why I gave it a C. I mean, it, it is nice because you get, you're putting your opponents in a card disadvantage because you're forcing them to choose a card to discard. But I don't think I would put four of these in my deck necessarily. So that's why I gave that a C. Yeah, so I gave it a C. This is the kind of card that I'm probably going to put four of or zero in my deck actually because if this is part of my game plan, maybe with Flynn Rider, it might stack up to where your opponent has discarded three or four cards and that just wasn't part of their game plan. So it might just throw them off quite a bit. You're limiting their resources. 
That being said, I don't think it's a great card. It being a song is helpful so you can cast it for free, but there's not a lot of upside and it's kind of a poor draw uh, later in the game when your opponent is just top decking from their deck. So I have it a C. Maybe you could have some fun discard deck with it, but I just don't really buy it, I guess. Yeah. Okay, moving on to The Beast is Mine. This is an action. It's a three drop inkable. Chosen character gains reckless during their next turn. And so they can't quest and they have to challenge if they're able to. What do you got for this one? I had it as a C, but I think I should have it as a D. I think this card is really bad. It's expensive for what it does. Maybe if it was one mana, uh, one inkable cost, it, it could be playable, but three just to make one of your opponent's characters reckless seems like a lot to me. This just does not provide a big enough effect for three mana as far as I'm concerned. Dana, what do you think? I am right there in agreement with you. I have mine as a D as well. I don't see an obvious benefit to use this card as multiple copies, and I don't even think it's worth it to splash your deck with one or two so at this point i feel like it's just pretty much unplayable and yeah. That... <laughs> yeah i'll say mother knows best while it doesn't it's not the same card it just seems like a better version of this card so okay moving on vicious betrayal it is a action a one drop inkable chosen character gets plus two strength this turn if a villain character is chosen, they get plus three strength instead. I personally have this as a C. I think it could be good in niche situations, especially if you use this with an Amethyst villain deck. Otherwise, I don't really see myself wanting to have too many of these in my deck to make it a B, so that's why I bumped it down to a C. Yeah, I just don't see the scenario. Like, obviously, you can give a character plus to attack and then it trades up for a bigger character. But if that's something that you need in your deck, you feel like, you can just play Megara. And that's actually a character. It only costs one more, but provides a board advantage. And it can quest. It's just a way better card. So when you're comparing the two, I just don't know if you're ever going to play this one over Meg. It doesn't have as much of a floor, meaning its baseline's not as good. You can't just play it on turn two as a character. So I, I'm i off of it. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a D. Okay. All right. Well, two more cards, both the only items we have. Our first item is Dr. Facilier's cards. It is a two drop on Inkable and its ability is the cards will tell. So you exert this card and pay one ink less for the next action you play this turn. How would you grade this? I think I'm also going to give this a D. I don't think there are enough good actions in Emerald where you're even going to use this ability that often. The best action is Mother Knows Best, and you can already play that for free by singing it. The next best action is probably Stampede or Vicious Betrayal, and those only cost one mana, mm -hmm. one ink, right? So you're not even really getting a, a discount that matters a whole lot. So because this is uninkable, I'm probably never 
going to play it, honestly. Yeah. I was generous with this and I gave it a C, but in all actuality, it probably should be a D like Dalton has. I think as time goes on and we get more sets that have more items and songs that are consistently good, then it could really be better. So I guess only time will tell. I, like I said, I probably should have given it just a D for now, though. I think I might have been holding out on its potential, but not necessarily its application at this point in time. Yeah, this doesn't even work with items, though. It just makes your actions. Oh, my bad. Yeah, oh, so no, that actually fine, makes fine. it even worse. Yeah, it makes it even worse. It... <laughs> Never mind. It it's just yeah I just don't think it's a very very good one and then it does bring us to our last card which is an item stolen scimitar so it's a two cost inkable it has the ability slash exert it chosen character gets plus one power this turn if a character named Aladdin is chosen it gets plus two power instead. Dana, how did you rate the scimitar? I gave it a C. I know that its ability is circumstantial if you have Aladdin in your deck. However, right now, Aladdin, it is Aladdin Heroic Outlaw is one of the strongest characters, which we'll talk about in our next episode. So chances are people are going to want to have a Aladdin deck. So I could see them adding this one in there for that, but because it has such a small application to only that kind of deck build. That's why I gave it a C. Yeah, I also gave this one a D, so we have four straight Ds for me. <laughs> um, I It is versatile just because it is inkable. It would be unplayable, I think, if it wasn't. It does allow your smaller characters to trade up a little bit, but, and it is repeatable. It's just not going to be consistently good, I don't think. So I just don't see myself playing it, but maybe if there is an item-themed Aladdin at some point, mm -hmm. then this could probably make the cut. Yeah. All right, I think we're done. We are done. That is the end of our Emerald set review. So if you have missed our first two colors, Amber and Amethyst, go on and check out episodes two and three. Otherwise, next episode, you will be joining us for Ruby. And then we are going to keep making our way through the rest of them, Sapphire, then Steel. In the meantime, if you are wanting to see us either test out things on Pixelborn or kind of play a tabletop game, then check out our Twitch and our YouTube at Inkwell Gamers, or even give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram because we will be posting whenever we plan on streaming or when new episodes are dropping, all that good stuff. So until next time, we will see you later. Have a wonderful day. Bye, guys. Bye.